0: a couple testimonies from our own church about what God is doing and to encourage those by way of the webcast about putting the anointing first. Yesterday, we began to move our church into a spiritual depth that we're more accustomed to at Metro Praise because for the first six weeks of relaunching our church and grand opening of this facility, we wanted to merge people in. And that's what the Lord had put on my heart, was to merge in the new people. Because when you get onto the highway, and there's a lot of cars there, when those people who who are getting on the highway, everybody around them has got to stop and slow down and let them in. And then as that clog kind of goes away, the traffic kind of picks up again. And so personally in our own church, as we were launching, basically doubling our congregation, the Lord told me to merge. To merge the new people on with the old not meaning that we're compromising no seeker sensitive gospel none of that nonsense but that we would just slow it down a little bit so that people could come on and get with it and we've begun to see the increase in those weeks well finally yesterday in the time of worship i said to rachel it's just time to go it's just time to go touch heaven and that's what we did we pressed in And during that time, two significant things happened. The first one was, someone that's been a part of our church since the very beginning, since we started in this new facility, wrote me this, I almost fell out in worship today and got slayed by the Spirit for the first time. My tongue was going crazy. Amen. So it seems like this person got filled with the Holy Ghost, or... Uh, with, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, or they just got so pumped up, they would just kept shouting, Jesus, ecstasy, you know, Holy Ghosted and toasted and roasted and almost fell out. Also, during that same time, there was a young lady who uh, Vanessa has in her small group, began manifesting demons and had to be brought into another room, which we're going to call the deliverance room, whenever that happens. If it brings attention to the part where everybody's paying attention, then I'll deal with it publicly. But as much as we can, just bring it into the back discreetly, because we don't want to glorify the devil and take away from the others who are worshiping. And to us, casting out demons is not a sideshow. We're used to it. Amen? We're used to casting out Beelzebub. But I was thinking about those two things as I was on my way coming here going, That doesn't happen in every church. That's not normal in every church. For people to get that excited and that pumped up and for demons to manifest. I'm not talking like just somebody feels uncomfortable. No, I'm talking about real demons, voices, possession, the real deal. Are you listening? And especially now for those of you here right now, don't ever take that for granted like that's normal. There's churches and people who have been involved in church, like Nancy before she got into the Sheikaboomba around here. She'd been going to church for 22 years, never saw that one time. Maybe heard about it on a mission trip, maybe heard about it one time way long ago at a prayer meeting, but never in a service and certainly never like a regular event. Come on, somebody. And then, as this positive was happening in our service, uh, my family who had met some people, and Nancy confirmed this, but there were some people who left before the preaching even got started. There were some people who came. Now, on average, right now in our church, we have between 5 to 10 visitors on average a week now. Sometimes even more than 10. Sometimes one family will bring almost 8 to 9 people. So, I mean, on average, 5 to 10, probably more like 8 to 12 on any given Sunday, that many visitors. But you know what? Those people left, and I didn't even see them leave. So Nancy said they must have left during the time of praise and worship. And I put the two and two together. During the exact time that demons were manifesting, people who had been a part of the church were getting merged in, almost being slayed in the Holy Spirit. Some first-time visitors... Just wanted to get, just get out, not not get the hell out of there. They wanted to get the heaven out of there. Think about it. Think about how people say, get the hell out of there. Get, you know, get hell. No, they wanted to get the heaven out of there. Oh, we got to get the heaven out of here. There's too much Jesus in this place. There's too much. I feel uncomfortable. What's going on? Why is the deep parts of my heart being exposed, as it says in the New Testament? Why are the secret things of my life being brought before me? Why do I feel so uncomfortable right now? Oh, we got to get out of here. And then as I was coming to prepare the message today, put it at the top of your paper. If you're taking notes, preach the Word. But I don't want you so much to get taught today. I want it to be caught. Amen? That's why I asked Leelani to stay up here to keep flowing in the anointing today. Because I want to lay hands on every single one of you. And as much as I love to shout and yell and holler over you, I'm not really wanting to lay hands on you in that way to impart passion. What I want to do is just pass the baton to you today. Just pass the baton to preach the Word. That you would preach the Word in season and out of season. And turn with me to Matthew chapter 3, because I want you to see about John the Baptist. And how John the Baptist was willing to make those sacrifices. And that's the question that you have to ask yourself. Are you willing to make those sacrifices to preach the Word of God? To see demons manifest. To see the lost people so on fire for God. They're saying to you, I almost fell out in the Spirit. And nobody was even laying hands on them. They're saying, I almost fell out in the Spirit. And there's nobody even laying hands on them. This going be something. They're just standing over there. Poof, they just pass out. <laughs> Glory, come on. Just the glory's all over them. Nobody even told them to do it. I remember one time we were preaching in the projects, and I just started to lay my hands on a sister. And she just crumbled like you he buckled. Her knees buckled and went right to the ground. Boom, right on the floor. Nobody caught her. Didn't know anything about Pentecostalism. She didn't know that that was expected where you fall out. Just started praying, bam, just went right on the concrete floor. I'm telling you, God is able. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond whatever we can ask, think, or imagine, according to the power that's within us. And I have always believed that this generation, until the time of Jesus comes back the second time, is like John the Baptist. We are a John the Baptist generation. That John the Baptist prepared for the first coming of the Lord. We're preparing for the second coming of the Lord. So look at John. Uh, man, I mean, rather Matthew, chapter three. Verse 1, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The first thing that we learn is that John the Baptist came preaching. Well, where did he come from? Well, he came from this place of consecration to the Lord as a Nazarite. So he knew God. He didn't know religion. He wasn't brought up in the schools of theology at Jerusalem. He was with the Lord in the desert. He was with the Lord in his consecration by not drinking, by not partying, by not having sex with, with women, by not, uh, cutting his hair. He was keeping a Nazarite vow. So when he came, he came preaching. That's how you got to have the story of your life. That's what should be written about you guys. That's what's written about me in Chicago. Joe came preaching into Chicago. It was like, amen. It was like, that's how he came. How did Joe come to Chicago? Preaching. Think about that. How did he come? He came preaching. How did you come to Wicker Park? Preaching. How did you come to the west side? Preaching. How are you coming to places? You're coming preaching. Why? Because where you've been is in preparation, which is here. You've been in consecration. You've been living with a life dedicated to God. And now wherever you show up, they should be able to say about you, they are coming preaching. They're coming to preach. Are you getting that? We're not just coming to hand out free bottles of water. We're not just coming to say nice things to nice people. We are coming preaching. They invited me to a ministerial alliance, an ecumenical alliance here in the neighborhood with Episcopals and Lutherans. And I was there uh, Friday for lunch and I was sitting there and it was me. Uh, Two Lutheran female pastors that both in their church affirm lesbianism. An Episcopal woman pastor who affirms lesbianism in their church. And then two man, a male Catholic priest, probably in their 70s, very old. And then there was another woman from a a denomination that felt the same way as the Lutheran Episcopal. I think she was Church of Christ, can't remember. And then there was two evangelical guys. One doing a work kind of like a seeker-sensitive work and one from a Baptist church. And I sat next to the woman because I came preaching. Amen? That's how I came. I came preaching, praise God. And it threw him off because I looked next to the Lutheran next to me. And I said, uh, because I just knew where to hit the button. You know what I'm saying? I ain't going to play around. I just said, do you all still believe in hell? That's what I said. I just looked right at her. You know, I got my little clam chowder. You know, she got her little thing there too. I just looked right next to her. you all still believe in hell? Oh, she said, that's, that's a big one. I don't, I don't know if I want to talk about that here. I go, that's what I came to talk about. I said, oh, you guys are here. And I just kind of started pointing. And you guys know when a room like that gets awkward. And let me just tell you something. I live in awkwardness, amen? So once it got uncomfortable, I'm like, glad we finally got here. Let's start being real. I'm glad we're done with all that. How are you doing? This is my church. Said, okay, now we're right where I want to be. I'm comfortable now. And then I looked around, and I kind of said about six of them. And all boasting in God, I looked at them, I said, this is not even fair for them. This is not going to be fair. Because I've come with the sword of the Lord. You ever watch those shows, the 300? One dude takes on 10. It's not even fair for the 10. Are you with me? So I just pulled it right out. And I said, this is not even fair for them. This will be over before you know it. <laughs> now you can, you, can, you can think that's pride if you want. I'm just saying I'm one of David's mighty men. David could take on about 300, one of, you know, his guys could take on about 100, 300 himself, you know what I'm saying? And so I just looked around, I said, it's not even fair for them, we got some old weak-eyed men here, those are gonna go down. So this cutting them down, it's just a moment, but I'm gonna do it all in love. So. I said, you all don't believe in hell? I said, you all still believe in hell? Well, we didn't really come to talk about that here. I said, let me, I said okay, I get it. So you, you guys haven't really come to talk about doctrine. You guys are all just seeing what things you can do together in the community. I said, that's fine. Let me just make it clear for everybody. I got everybody's attention. I said, let me tell you what I'm about. I'm about the gospel. I'm about preaching his word. And I'm about telling people about heaven and hell. That's what I'm about. And I don't want to be a part of anything other than that. The only thing I want to tell you to do is to be born again and saved. And then the Catholic man down at the end, he goes, Are you guys the ones handing out bottles of water? Yes, we are. That's us. And we're preaching the gospel. So wherever we come, we come preaching. I will preach to preachers. Amen? And then I said my little piece, and then while they were kind of talking amongst themselves, I looked to the one woman there from the Lutheran background, and I said, could you come into my church and please uh, debate me on the subject of homosexuality? And it kind of got the attention, you know, because I kind of had that voice. That everybody kind of settled down and listened to me again. And I said, while we're at it, can I ask you two Catholic priests, can I get you guys to come to my church and debate Catholicism? Because I believe in the Reformation. Now you might think to yourself, well, Pastor, we should have just all saying kumbaya. But I came preaching. That's what I, oh, y'all got to look at the Bible. Can y'all looking at me crazy. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, let's be ecumenical and have a good time together. Is that what he came preaching? Did he come preaching in the desert? Let's just all get along. John the Baptist came preaching, saying, what did he say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So, what is what is it going to cost you to preach? It cost me Sunday morning three visitors. I don't know how many others have come and gone. It cost me my free, uh, uh, my ten shekels in a shirt, whatever that little organization would want to toss my way, some little free, some little free garbage pickup from the aldermen, some, uh, maybe free sign in their newspaper or whatever they hand out in their alliance. Yeah, it cost me how they thought of it. And in their minds, I'm probably one of those, uh, those, those people from the dark ages, you know, one of those judgmental kinds. The woman looked at me and she said, I, I think you're like one of those people from Fox News. And I, I said, I don't know what you mean by that. I like Fox News, but all I'm doing is talking about Jesus. Do you believe in heaven or hell? She said, I feel like you're interviewing me. I said, I don't know what you're feeling like. This is what I came to do. So John the Baptist came preaching. My friends, those organizations are dying. Because they're not preaching. We're looking for some preachers in this place. SUM is looking for preachers. People who will preach it. People who will proclaim it. That's what the word means. To proclaim the word of God. And repentance is the way we get in a right relationship with God. So repentance is not an insult to a sinner. Repentance is good news to a sinner. Because you can come back to God. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Just like if I said to you on your school loan, you're forgiven. That's good news to you who owe debts. Repentance is the same way. It's God's way of saying you can be forgiven of the debt you owe me. That's good news to people who owe debts. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And so John the Baptist goes out preaching. And we know that people asked him who he was, but in this context right here, he says who he is. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. You see, we are like that right now as a generation. We are in a desert. We are in a desert. Don't you see it spiritually Can't you see how dry the ground is right now around you? Just look at the hearts of men and women around you. They are so dry, so barren of life. We have now just as many broken homes as we do homes with husbands and wives. Before you know it, it will be more normal to grow up without your mom and dad in your house than it is to grow up with your mom and dad. That's becoming normal Just like we've said here before, it's normal to see violence in schools today. I mean, I was just reading a a thing on the Facebook from my hometown of Fort Wayne, Indiana. A shooting in front of a bar with young teenagers. It just happens so much, you just don't even know how to, to, to to relate to it anymore. It's just almost like that's the world we live in. We forgot what it was like to have pools of living water around us. We forgot what it was like to live under the blessing of God, where the fruit grew from the trees and the land was plentiful. We're in a desert. And we call revival the first little puddle we see. The first little puddle we see, we go, that's revival. Well, a couple people got saved. Demons were getting cast out. We call that revival. That's just a puddle. There was a story that C.S. Lewis told one time of a, of a child. He, he had his little boat and he was playing in the streets of England, in London, in a dirty street, in a dirty puddle with his boat. And a man walked up to him and said, how would you like to go and play in the ocean? I'll bring you to the ocean and you can play in the whole ocean. He said, I don't even know what that is. He lived in London. He was a kid. He didn't even know he was around an ocean. Nobody taught him. And he said, an ocean has more water a thousand times, a million times more water than your puddle. And the kid said, I don't even believe it. This this man brought him to the ocean, and the kid said, I'll never play in a puddle again. You see, the only reason why we're satisfied with puddles is because we don't believe there's an ocean. We don't believe there's an ocean. We need to believe once again that there's an ocean. Some of you have already been a part of Metro Praise or S.U.M., and you get used to the moving of God, the Spirit, and you think that's all there is. Like, we've arrived, and now it's become quite predictable. You know, you know now we have an hour and a half worship time, or, you know, to, you know that, that means the Lord's moving. If we don't, it's just a half hour, three songs. But, you know, here's what God does, and one or two of somebody in the audience will have a word at the best, you know, and then maybe we'll cry a little bit. Maybe we'll feel the peace of God. Maybe somebody will get saved, one or two. My friends, that's a puddle! Read the book of Acts. 3,000 were saved in one altar call. Then another place, 5,000 were saved. And what I love today about technology is all you got to do is watch like Reinhard Bonnke's videos, and then you'll see millions, my friends. That's what an ocean looks like. And he himself is still saying there's more. He himself is saying there's more. So the man who's already playing in the ocean at the shoreline is saying, guys, there's still a bigger ocean out there than what we're even in here. How much more should us playing in the puddle be able to say, I want to come to an ocean? You see, that's what John the Baptist came doing. John the Baptist came to prepare a way for the Lord. And to cause rivers of living water to come to that desert. So that it wouldn't be a desert anymore. That's what preaching does. Preaching brings life to people. And let me just stop right here and explain this to you for a moment. In your generation, people are looking for stories on Sunday morning. They're looking for motivational talks. That's not preaching. Preaching is proclaiming with authority. It's not necessarily being as loud as I'm being, but it's not in a tone as talking. It's not in a whisper. Preaching comes with authority. The Bible says Jesus was not like the, G, the, the, the Jewish authorities because he spoke as one with authority. Preaching is very similar to what I'm doing right now. It's preaching with authority. It's saying that God is real. He's alive, and you're doing it with passion. You don't understand how many people have come up to me just recently. An older man in our church now with his, his uh, wife are coming to the church. They're in their 60s. They're retired. I had uh, greeted him, shook his hand, and then I had put my hand in my pockets and we were talking. And, and I said, just how have you guys enjoyed it here? And he pulled my hand out of my pocket and he started shaking my hand. And he said, young man, I finally feel like I'm in church again. He says, it feels good to hear the preaching of the word. I remember when I came to a church here in the city, when I first started working there, a church that was a 100 years old with the Assemblies of God. And I began preaching like I'm preaching to you. People with gray hair, so Nancy was there because she remembers it, came up to me and would say to me, Young man, we haven't heard preaching like that in this place in years. You remind me of how when I first got saved, the preachers would come preaching to us the Word of God with authority and with passion. There's friends that we have that are in this city that have been a part of the Assemblies of God and these churches from their very beginning. And they said to me, Pastor, you're one of the only people we know that still preaches like how these churches were built. Because they say they remember what it was like when those churches used to get filled on Sundays and people would want to come. They said that's how they preached. They preached with authority and passion. We want that again. My friends, it's not just Joe. It's not just... You are a church, and it's not even just John the Baptist. It's a God thing. It went back before John the Baptist. That's why he was called the Elijah of his day, because that's what Elijah did. This is what God has always called us to do, to preach, to stand aloud. Number one, John came preaching. Number two, he came to prepare the way of the Lord. We're not just here saying, Jesus loves you, you know, you know, get saved and live a good life. Now, even though that's part of the message, repent, that's the gospel, get saved. But he's also saying, prepare the way of the Lord. Now, I just came down this street today, Irving Park, and I saw what it's like to prepare a road. I was stuck in it for a half hour. That's why I come here so late. Nancy tells me to go to Addison, but then they're preparing that road too. And so I just say, forget about it. I'm going to be in traffic for a while today. So I'm in traffic at least 20 minutes. It's impossible for me to get here any sooner, and I don't even want to try anymore. Just keep worshiping till I get here. Amen? And I'm watching them. And I, and I notice there's this humongous machine on the road. And I hadn't noticed one of these before, but I've seen it's damaged before. But what it does... Is it so huge and hot that it will heat the old tar of the road, and then it will tear it up in that heated state, and it will grind it up, and then put it into a dump truck, and then you'll look at the the ground underneath it, so they can put the fresh uh, blacktop on there. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those, but I was actually watching it cut right through. The old blacktop, and and it's got a a thing that spits out the garbage right into the dump truck in front of it. And you can see it, it digs down about two to three inches into the old blacktop. It looks like it goes down to either dirt or concrete, and it just goes deep. That's preparing the way, my friends. We're here to prepare the way of the Lord. We're here to dig down deep. God doesn't want churches that are an inch deep and a mile wide. God wants wells. God's want, God wants our wells to go down deep. Sometimes to hit water, you've got to go down a hundred feet into the earth. God doesn't want roads just with little gravel that when the rain comes, it washes away. He wants roads that go down deep two and three feet. He wants us to dig out the junk on the surface. He wants us to lay down a fresh foundation. He wants us to prepare a way for people to come to Jesus. So it's not just I got saved, and now I tell you to get saved. No, it's I then prepare you to go get others saved. So that that road can be prepared for others to travel down. And literally, the Bible gives the impression that the way he's preparing is the actual road that Jesus himself travels on. Not that Jesus needs to get saved, but that Jesus comes on the road of the gospel, the whole world hearing this message, and Jesus then travels right on behind it. Thus saying that if we don't preach, he can't come. As the Bible says, he's being held up in heaven into the fullness of all things. And we know the fullness of all things. Part of that is preaching the gospel everywhere. So by us being the laborers in the field, we're actually an answer to Jesus' prayer. Who said, pray for the harvest. The laborers are coming to the harvest. And we're also the very roadway in which he comes. Think about that. I'm preparing the way of the Lord by preaching to you right now. When you go out and preach, you're preparing the way of the Lord. And then look at verse 4. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him. In the Jordan River. The third thing you see is that when people preach repentance, prepare the way of the Lord, people come to them. People come to them. John Wesley said, I want to set myself on fire so that people will come and watch me burn. Jesus is looking for people who are on fire so that he can send the lost to them. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. You see, when we're praying for souls, God is looking at us saying, I'll send you souls. But you have got to have a message and a preparation for me to send them to you. What would we do as a church in America if all of our neighbors showed up? That might be the worst thing you could possibly ask for. What would happen if that Episcopal church had 100 people today? That's actually bad news. I don't get excited about that. They would teach them their false doctrine, make them twice the sons of hell as they are. Well, what about the other churches? There's no power for demons to get cast out. There's no deliverance. People would come to those churches, and within a a few weeks of visiting, they would say, okay, now that I've tried it, I'm justified in saying there ain't no reason of going anyway. I mean, I actually went. I seen what they were talking about. They're just the frozen chosen. I'm better off at home. Don't you understand, my friends? God wants them saved more than we do. He just can't find churches that he can trust to send them to. Revival isn't begging God to do something He doesn't want to do like God doesn't want to send revival. He actually wants them to perish, which is against the word. We know this is ridiculous. But think about it. And so we have to beg Him, come, Jesus, come, because we know you really don't want to. We're going to cry because we know that you just want them all to go to hell. And we're going to show you we care about them. No, that's not the heart for revival. No, the heart for revival is, God, change me so that you can send the people here. Make me the church. make me the preacher make me the disciple maker that you want me to be so that I can have a place to preach to them so that I can have a message so that you will send them the the people aren't the problem the church is the problem when you come into a room and you flip on the light and it doesn't come on you don't curse the darkness you don't get upset with the darkness you get upset with the light. You change the light bulb. Darkness has to flee when the light comes on. The devil himself can't stop revival. Charles Finney and all the revivalists always knew this. It's not the devil stopping revival. And it's not the lost that stop revival. Because they can't give it. It's the church that stops revival. Because Jesus said to the church, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all people unto me. Jesus said through the Old Testament that if you, my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, then I'll heal, heal their land. He said to Matthew 18, the disciples, you go all into all the world and I'll be with you to the ends of the age. Mark 16, he says, go and preach and, and, and speak in tongues, cast out devils, heal the sick, nothing will hurt you. And it says, as they went out and preached, the Lord worked with them. It's always been on the church. It's us. Revival has to start here. Revival is us changing and it's not even necessarily a goosebump or, or some type of a emotional thing. When you study the past revivals, Charles Finney, like I said, John Wesley, especially the ones before Pentecost, and they saw great outpourings. They said George Whitfield could be heard preaching to 15,000 without a microphone out in the open air. My friends, what we experience in our church is probably a deeper depth of the Spirit than they ever experienced. And yet, They were entrusted with that many people because they had the right message. They had the heart of preparation. And even though they weren't casting devils out in the way we do, even though they weren't prophesying, even though they didn't have all the spiritual knowledge we do, they had that so right that God said, honor that. And He started sending people to them, and the Spirit poured out in such a mighty way. How much more so people here today knowing from their life lessons and now having the fullness of the Holy Spirit, understanding the baptism, understanding the spiritual gifts, how much more should we have the right message in the spirit of preparation for the Lord and God send us the people? My friends, the only reason why these places, our church is not filled yet is because God hasn't given us those people yet. We have to change. John Wesley, his brother Charles Wesley, and George Whitfield set the whole western world on fire. All of Europe and all of America. If just three of you got what I'm saying right now, it would be over. If just three of you got it. Just three of you got together and just started saying, We're going to preach. We're going to, we're going to live out this message. We're going to prepare the way of the Lord. We're going to go out to the highways and byways, wherever we go. We're going to preach with that authority. I guarantee you, you'll start filling up your small group. You'll start sp- filling up the youth group or the Sunday service that you're a part of. The preacher myself won't even be able to keep up with you. Carlos Nicandia was just a member of his church. And then he was asked, or he asked his pastor if he could have special meetings to have revival services in Argentina and God used them to bring revival, filled up stadiums. His own pastor couldn't even keep up with them. And I have given you the same permission. Go to the west side and preach. Go to the uh, the high school campuses and preach. Go on the highways and byways to the to the to the neighborhoods right here. Go to your small group. Go to your and preach. We're looking at all these methods. We're looking at all these things, these things. That's what the world has given us. That's like David's, that's like Saul's armor that, that Saul tried to give David before he fought Goliath. And he said, okay, before you, you fight Goliath, put on my armor. Listen to me. If Saul's armor was worth anything, then Saul could have killed the giant. But Saul's armor is not worth anything. The only thing that counts is an anointing upon an anointed man or woman of God. That's the only thing that counts. That's why David didn't need the armor. You don't need sound systems. You don't need buildings. You don't need a name. You don't need business cards. Just go out and preach. Come to the west side preaching. Come to the youth group in the high schools preaching. Let them see you as a preacher proclaiming the word of God. Preparing a way for the Lord. And God will send people to you. Just like how you came here. And God sent you to me. He will do the same for you. Some of you have asked me, well, when can I start this ministry and that ministry and this ministry? John the Baptist didn't have no ministry. He didn't have some extra service. What can we now have a third service, a fourth service where I can preach, I can preach. Yes, go preach, go preach at Teen Challenge. Get, you know, get prepared so we can rotate you in the youth ministry. You know, preach at the different places that we allow you to go and preach. But my friends, that's not what John the Baptist did. He didn't ride on somebody else's coattails and take a small ministry and make it bigger or divide a ministry and get his own. John the Baptist went out and preached. Prepared the way for the Lord, and God sent him people. I want to ask you to. To look at your life, when was the last time you saw somebody saved in your evangelism? When was the last time that you were out at the high schools? You saw somebody get genuinely saved, and now they're being discipled in this church. When was the last time? What are we doing if we're not doing that? It doesn't matter to me if you are handing out the bottles of water. It doesn't matter to me if you're going out there giving out things. That will not hinder it, but if you don't preach, then nothing you do matters. My friends, it's time for this church to rise up with preachers. It's time for you to go preach like John the Baptist preached. Even if all you know is a simple message, go preach it. Preach it. Preach it publicly on the streets when you go to Wicker Park. Preach it in front of the high schools. Proclaim it. Preach it when you're one-on-one evangelizing. Preach it when you're sitting down talking to people. Preach the Word of God. I'm believing that this church will be built on preachers. That's our method of building this church. It's on the Word of God. I don't want gimmicks. I don't want to attribute it to our sound system, to our lighting system, to the way we designed our building and because we have a cafe and video games for youth. I don't want to attribute our growth to that. I want to attribute the growth of Metro Praise because there was preachers in this house. I want to attribute the growth of our churches and the nations that we are in because they preach the gospel. And that's exciting and I want to say that in closing. I don't know where you think the excitement is of Christianity. Maybe you think it's when I'm holding the microphone and I'm preaching to you. That's not the excitement of Christianity. The excitement of Christianity is preaching. Listen, listen to me. Write this down. The excitement of Christianity is preaching to the most lost people you can and seeing the greatest response that God can do. Preaching to the greatest amount of lost people you can, and seeing God give the greatest response He can. That's, that's the most exciting. So if I get to preach to five people on Sunday, that's real exciting. But, if, but when we were in India and just walking down the street, and I got to preach to ten people on the street that never heard the name of Jesus, that was more exciting. When when I get to go to a high school here in Chicago and I get to meet 10 to 15, that's more exciting. The more exciting it gets for me is the more lost people I get to preach to. Your small group should be the most exciting when there's the most amount of lost people there and God is doing the most that He promised He would do. The youth group will be the most exciting when there's the most amount of lost people in that youth group and we're preaching to them and God shows up and does the most He can do. Which is save, set free, heal, deliver. Going out street evangelizing. When will the Saturday evangelism be the most exciting? When you preach to the most lost people telling them what God can do. And God does the most He said He would do. That's the most exciting thing of Christianity. Whenever you say, I've arrived, or Christianity is boring, it's because you're not doing that anymore. You're not preaching to the most lost people you can preach anymore. You've gotten comfortable. That's why when Nancy and I were in that sabbatical between one church when I was used to preaching to crowds, I would preach one Sunday a month into two services, and then I was preaching a youth group service every week and a young adult service. So sometimes if that month I had preached to the adult congregation, I would have preached four times in one week, and sometimes I could number up to 750 plus people. And then when we resigned... I was preaching to no one. Well, you know how I find, found my joy? As I went out and found the most lost people I could find. And I began to let God do the most he said he would do. And let him start moving went out to Belmont and Clark. That's why Belmont and Clark is on our hearts. I've never heard any other church, any person, any community ever talk about Belmont and Clark like the way we do. We've took ownership of that. There's other people all around this city that when Belmont and Clark comes up as Christians, they go, oh, that's where Metro Praise goes. They know that. Same thing with Wicker Park. I can tell you all the times I've been down there, I've never run into any other Christian staked out preaching the gospel. One time I was out there, and I saw a church, they had to do their practical urban study, the Moody Bible study, and they were out there for an hour, said hi and by, and they were gone. Never saw them again. Are you listening? You see, because God gave us, this church, and He's doing it for the cohorts and other places, He'll give you a place where the most amount of lost people are. You're not tripping on other churches. You're not tripping and competing on with other youth groups. I mean, how many other youth groups have you seen out the high schools where we're going to the days we go out there? I don't see any of them out there. And I've been in this city for six years. I've never seen any other youth group out there except on the See You at the Pole rally. I saw one other youth pastor come out there with his little badge. I'm a youth pastor. Here I'm coming to see you at the pole. Man, I'll see you in the, at the pole and at the ghetto Every day of the week baby Not just one time of the year I'll see you right here Tomorrow I'll see you here next week That's what the heart of, of God is That's what the passion is Because you begin to see people saved And when you preach God does what nobody can do He does the most That, that, that we could ever imagine I mean, it's, I mean lives are changed People are healed People are set free And you saw what happened to John the Baptist. He was beheaded. So that's your reward. Your reward is the world will hate you. But Jesus will call you his friend. Come on. I'll lay down my life for Jesus. I'll become less that Jesus can become more you got to make that up in your mind right now that you'll become less that jesus can become more that you'll decrease that jesus can Increase that the greatest thing you can do right now is just lay down your life for him Because that's all john the baptist did. at the end of the day. Think about that. There are heroes now But imagine being in that dungeon Imagine feeling That your time was up Imagine what it felt like To be brought before a party Drunken revelry, and then you're kneeling down in front of the party, and then I mean, that's what he did, he gave up his life. And you think about the disciples revival or riot, and sometimes both, amen. They gave up their lives. So, to us, this is what we do we preach the gospel and we preach it with repentance and preparation. And God sends the people. Let's all stand up. Line up around this altar if you can, please. Turn up just a little bit and just kind of begin singing that song you were singing when I came in, please. I just want to commission you again. Some of you may not have been commissioned before, but I just want to commission you. Make a straight line and wrap around as much as you can here. Praise God. Some of you stand on the steps or get on the stage if you have to, right Why here. Come on, it was a simple message, but it needed to be said. Are you willing to give up everything to be His preacher? To be the one that proclaims? Are you willing for people to walk out of your church? Are you willing to lose out on money and financial gain? To see the world change and prepare the way for Jesus? Come on, what do you want today? If that's you and you want to be a preacher, just begin to raise up your hands and say, "God, make me a preacher." Come on, make me a preacher, God. God, I want to be a preacher. Come on, that's not a bad word anymore. I mean, it's 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 become a bad word, but it's not. What are you, a preacher? Come on, yes, I'm a preacher people have come to me just a young adult couple came to our house thursday for dinner and they said we're tired of visiting churches where the pastors all they do is sit down with a cup of coffee and just kind of talk they said we love the preaching my friends. people need the word of god preached come on who's going to be a preacher today Who wants to be a preacher for God? I am a preacher of the Word of God. I am a preacher of the Word of God. I am a a proclaimer of the Word of God. You can take away my microphone, but I'm still going to preach it. You can take away the crowd, but a new crowd will come. I'll preach it. You can persecute me. You can take away all my freedom, but you can't take the preach out of me. I'm here to preach the gospel, to preach it. Hallelujah. Jesus, God, I just pray you raise up preachers here today. Come on, just prepare your spirit right now. It's not in my hands, but it's in the anointing of the Holy Spirit that I'm praying for a fresh outpouring of boldness, a fresh outpouring of of passion, a fresh outpouring of the anointing. Jesus. Jesus. Listen to what Timothy told Paul told Timothy in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the Word. Come on, listen to that command. Preach the Word. Come on, love the Word of God so much that you have to preach it. Let it be said of you, that woman, that's a preacher. That man, that's a preacher. That church is a preaching church. That youth group is a preaching youth group. That small group, they preach the Word. Those people on that corner, they preach the Word. Come on. Let it be said of this congregation, of SUM, that Bible college, raises up preachers of the Word of God who preach it with authority. Woo! Jesus! Come on, just keep entering in, then I'm going to pray for you. Come on, just keep crying out to God. It's from His hand that the blessing comes today. Jesus me. Jesus. Me it you, Jesus it comes from him come oh, it comes from Jesus the heart of a preacher come on oh it comes from Jesus Jesus the heart of a preacher Oh God, give us that heart of John the Baptist today. Give us that heart of John the Baptist today, oh God. Oh, Rabah, King, la 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 Jesus. Jesus. Adolfo, come on up here and grab this song. Just keep playing. Just put this song on. It's already on repeat and just make sure it plays. Come on, just focus today for a few more minutes before I put on this song and then we're just going to pray for you so I can pray for Lilani today. Jesus, I want to be a preacher, Lord. I want to be a preacher, Jesus. Oh, God, I don't want a name, but I want a voice. Come on, you remember with John the Baptist? They didn't even know his name. They didn't know really who he was, his title. But he had a voice. Come on, it doesn't matter if people know your title or not. But let them hear your voice. Let them hear your voice. Go ahead and put that up, brother. Jesus. Jesus. We're preparing the way for the Lord today. Jesus, Why are we preaching? So that Jesus may come. So that Jesus will come. We're preparing the way today. Hallelujah. As I begin to pray for you, just say, I receive the anointing of a preacher. As I get ready to pray for you, just begin to say, I receive the anointing to preach the gospel. Oh, yes, Lord. Raise up preachers. Hallelujah, God. We pray for right now, Vanessa. Raise her up, God. Oh li li labo, li li Preach the word of God. Preach the word of God wherever you go. Keep preaching it. Wherever you go, let the word of God be on your lips. Let the power of God flow through you to change the generation. It's your turn to take the torch. To preach. You are a preacher. Now preach it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time to preach the gospel. It's time to preach the gospel. Oh, Rabba Kandarabakota. To not be known by gimmicks, to not be known by the slick presentations, but to be known by the authority of God. Preach the word. Preach the Word. Woo! Preach it. Preach it. Signs and wonders will follow. Lives will be changed. Crowds will come. And so will persecution. But preach it. Preach it. Preach it. Preach the Word of God. Preach it with authority. May the Holy Spirit empower you give you the words to speak hallelujah may anoint may the anointing break break chains set people free in the name of Jesus may it come so strong upon you that people know it's not your voice but it's the voice of God Jesus preach the word of God hallelujah preach it preach Preach the Word of God. Let the anointing give you boldness. Let the anointing give you the authority. Let the anointing give you the words. Preach it everywhere you go. It's on repeat, brother. Let it go. Let it go right now. Come on, Jesus. We're praying for preachers. God, nothing makes a greater worship leader than a preaching worship leader. To preach. To know how. The Spirit of God is leading lost men to the cross and using music to do that. Every move of God has had powerful worship leaders that had the heart of preachers. Jesus, where the songs they sung preached the gospel even. Jesus, Jesus, preach it. Preach it with boldness, preach it with passion. Preach it with tenacity. Preach the Word of God. Let your passion be to reach people with God's message. It doesn't have to come with the the worldliness. It doesn't have to come with the beauty of this world. John the Baptist wore sackcloth. He ate wild locusts. He ate honey. It doesn't have to come looking like what we see on TV. But bring it from your heart. Come from a consecrated life. And let God use you in a powerful way. You don't have to conform to the image of this world. Be unique. Be unique. And preach the Word of God. Preach the Word of God. Jesus. Jesus out of consecration, like John was in the wilderness. You're going into that wilderness for a season. But come preaching from that wilderness. Come preaching from that wilderness. Never forget the love of preaching and the Word of God. Preach the Word of God. Let them say of you, not only is she married to a preacher, But she is a preacher. She preaches the Word of God. Not like her husband, but like the prophets. Like the prophets of old. She preaches the Word of God. Hallelujah. Raise up preachers. Let Jonathan be a mighty preacher for you, Lord. Let the seriousness of the Gospel penetrate his life. And let his words come with power power jesus pentecostal power the power to set free the power to heal the power to go to the depths of men's hearts to expose their weaknesses so that they will be apt and ready to receive a gospel god we pray for that preaching anointing that you have given griselda to be rekindled again god we pray for it to flow through her time on the streets And that You will give her that heart of preaching again, God, like she had when she first started. Even more, God, with maturity and wisdom. But God, that passion to preach. Having no fear. No fear in your heart, girl. No fear of man. Preaching the Word of God. Without the fear of man. Not for man, but for God. In the name of Jesus, I just pray for a fresh fire. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I pray for your heart to be consecrated. So that the gospel will come out of a pure vessel. The Bible says that there are vessels of honor and dishonor in the house of God. You cannot be used as the wineskin of honor. Until you have cleansed yourself of those wicked things. And I pray today that you understand that. That the anointing will come from a pure heart. From a pure heart. So I charge you, preacher, preach out of a pure heart. Out of a pure heart. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Rabaketo Robokota Rabaha. Preach it. Preach it to the young. Preach it to the old. Preach it to the children. Preach the gospel to the poor. Preach the gospel to the hurting. Preach the gospel to those that people have forgotten about. Preach the gospel to the nations that others have forgotten about. Preach. Preach. Preach, woman of God. Preach. Preach. Preach the Word of God. Raise up preachers. Prepare the way for God prepare the way of Jesus. Raise up preachers. Preachers! Preach it, man of God. Authority is on your side. The authority is with you. The power is with you. The glory is on you. Preach it in the name of Jesus. Oh, and the people will come. The people will come when your life's on fire to watch you burn. Preach it. Preach the Word of God. Preach the Word of God. Preach it. Preach it. May the Word of God penetrate hearts when you preach. May it not just be the counsel of this world. May it not just be the presentation of the world. May it come with power. May it come with authority. In the name of Jesus. We are a church of preachers. We are a Bible college of preachers. We haven't come to be given approval by the people of this world. We've come to preach to them because God has anointed us. And listen to me, we can impart to you so much. This school and a church can only impart so much. But the heart of a preacher comes from God. It comes from God. It comes from a burden down deep within your soul. It comes from a burning in your heart. Like Paul said, Woe unto me if I don't preach. Woe unto me if I don't preach. He said, Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade people. We preach the gospel. The heart of a preacher comes from God. Adolfo, turn it down just a moment with an attitude of prayer. Hear my words today. Some of you who were here Sunday, you heard yesterday what my mother said. My mother said, right there is perfect, thank you. My mother said about me, she said, my son, I'm so thankful he's a preacher because he has the highest calling in the land. Just a little bit more, brother, please, just a little bit more. I want everybody to listen to me in attitude of prayer. Just a little bit. Just a little bit more now. Right there, listen to me. There is only one thing on this planet that you can do and say, I'm doing what Jesus did, and that is be a preacher. That is the only thing. That is it. Jesus didn't build buildings. Jesus didn't write books. Jesus didn't go out and lead a homeless ministry. Jesus didn't drive the church van. Jesus preached. My friend, the calling to preach is above everything you will ever do for God. And preachers and the calling to preach is the highest calling in the land. There is nothing greater. Some people have been preachers and then they become politicians... That's fine. I would rather have them than the bar owners and the crooks and criminals. But listen to me. Get this in your heart right now. It's a step down. For me to be the President of the United States, it's a step down. Now praise God for those who do. I'm not judging them. But I'm telling you, the highest call in the land is to be a preacher. The most... Accurate life to Jesus you could ever live is to preach. And if you want to be specific, if you look at it and just turn it down now, is this off this little bit? Matter of fact, Lelani, come up and just turn it off altogether. And as you look through the New Testament as I have done, my best calculation though I didn't have a lot of time to do it, and I may do it for a dissertation as a doctorate. But I counted The times he, Jesus, preached in temples, synagogues, etc., and was on the street. The best guess I have, without giving all of my time to it, is about 2 to 8. So that means only 20% of the time he was in the building, 80% of the time he was out of the building. Now let that sink into your gut right now. People think it's strange already when they see me in this new neighborhood standing out in front of our church door preaching the gospel. They think it's strange. My friends, it's not just I'm doing that because I want more people. We need more shekels. I'm doing that because that's the closest I feel to Jesus. I want you to get that straight in your heart today, my friends. You will not feel the closest to Jesus preaching behind a pulpit. 80% of Jesus' life in ministry, those three years, was in the marketplaces and on the streets. And I'm not talking about coffee talk in some seeker-sensitive, watered-down message. I'm talking about in the marketplaces, in the town squares, on the streets, in the days of the festivals, preaching the true gospel of repentance and faith towards a living God. Get it in your heart today because everybody makes a decision who they're going to be in life. You've made decisions. You're going to be this type of person. I want you to make a decision right now. You will be the type of preacher that will be on the streets until Jesus comes back. I don't care where you are in this plan, I don't care how many people you get in your church. I don't care if your church is 20,000 members. You get out there and preach. And I'm not talking about you put on a suit and go join a rally and hand out a few flyers. No, I'm talking about you go and preach. You tell people to repent. You get in the town square and you preach to them. Because, my friends, the pastors of today are nothing more than pimps. Not all, but so many are pimps just prostituting the church. Let me tell you how you'll know you have a heart for the lost people. Well, I love the lost. You talk to pastors. I love the lost. When was the last time you were with the lost? Well, I played golf with them. Well, Jesus didn't play golf with them. Preach. Well, I'm preaching through my testimony. My friend, that's not what Jesus did. Yeah, well, Jesus ate with sinners, and he preached to the sinners he ate with. So after you have your steak and dinner, look right at him and say, You are full of the devil. Repent. That's what Jesus did. Call him broad of some vipers and snakes. Get this in your heart right now. You'll always be on the streets. And I'll tell you what, I've been labeled. People have tried to to uh, put me down and label me oh you're one of those street preachers let me tell you something friends it doesn't matter what they think I'm one of those Jesus preachers I'm one of those people who's with Jesus because Jesus when he preached he preached on the streets get it in your heart get it in your gut you can never live a life without preaching preaching On the streets. Now, Father, I pray that everything we've said and done here for your glory will be resolved and settled in men and women's hearts. And that, God, you will raise up a church of John the Baptist, preachers coming out of the wilderness by the River Jordan, preaching, repent, preparing the way of the Lord with crowds all around them, Jesus. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.